uh, well, you will notice, I should say, is that through the next seven weeks as we look at the fruits of the Spirit, we're not just going to focus and read every time we meet on Galatians 5, 22 to 23. We're actually going to read through all of Galatians. So we started today, Galatians 1. Next week, a bit of Galatians 2. So we're going to skip over to Galatians 5, verse 16. And I'm reading from the NIV. So I say, live by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the sinful nature. For the sinful nature desires what is contrary to the Spirit, and the Spirit what is contrary to the sinful nature. They are in conflict with each other, so that you do not do what you want. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not not under law. The acts of the sinful nature are obvious. Sexual immorality, impurity and debauchery, idolatry and witchcraft hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions and envy, drunkenness, orgies and the like. I warn you as I did before that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, goodness, kindness, faithfulness, gentleness and self-control. Against such things there is no law. Those who belong to to Christ Jesus have crucified the sinful nature with its passions and desires. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking and envying each other. Well, why don't we pray and uh, we'll have a look at this. Father, we thank you for your goodness to us. Uh, We thank you, Lord, that you are God who speaks. Help us now to listen. Help us to put your words into practice. Amen. Well, the uh, the thing about fruit... Think about fruit for a moment. Are you all thinking about fruit? Please do. You got it? Good, stay with me. Um, Think about fruit, any fruit will do, is that when a plant bears fruit, well, it's good, isn't it? It's good. It means growth. Where there is fruit, well, there's growth. And friends, it's the same in the Christian life. It's the same when we're following Jesus. Today we said that the fruits of the Spirit are characteristics of the Spirit. And when present in the believer, they are evidence of the Holy Spirit's growth in them. The problem is, is that growth is a struggle. That's the first thing Paul tells us about the Christian life in this passage as we introduce these fruits of the Spirit. Growth is a struggle. Have a look at Galatians 5, verse 16. You see it in 17 as well. You see there's two natures? Do you see those? Uh, two natures at work in every believer, every follower of Jesus. There's the spirit and there's the sinful nature. And they oppose each other. They do what's contrary to each other. Like a, a J.R. Tolkien novel, you've got the two rulers, the two kingdoms, if you like, both seeking to rule. The sinful nature, now some Bible translators use the word flesh to describe the sinful nature. It's a bit of a gory sort of term, isn't it? We're going to swap between it now and then because it sort of works. Stay with me on that one as well. So the the sinful nature is the sin-desiring part of us that opposes the God-desiring part of us. It opposes growth. That's what the sinful nature does. It doesn't like it. It's our sinful heart or at least the part of our hearts which have not yet been renewed by God's Spirit. Now, up against the flesh is the Spirit inside of us, God's Spirit inside of us. Before we were Christians, there was no competition at all. You know that? 
before you put your trust in the Lord Jesus, there's no competition at all. There's no conflict at all. Uh, no part of us had been made new by God's Spirit. So like a, like a prize fighter taking on just your average run-of-the-mill bloke. Uh, it's all too easy for the prize fighter. That's what it was like before we knew Jesus. Our sinful nature was there. It was ruling alone, unopposed before we met Jesus. But on that day, God called us to himself. God's Spirit began. God's Spirit ended into us and began working. A power that is not, our, not ours was taking over, renewing us, making us stronger, training us, in fact, shaping and moulding and making us more like Jesus, God's Son. Now that is a great assurance, is it not? Is it not? That's a great assurance when we feel we're losing the struggle a little bit. The sinful nature's taking hold. Don't forget we've got God's Spirit inside of us, so we're not alone. God is transforming us by His Spirit. Ephesians chapter 4, we'll set up on the screen in just a moment. Ephesians chapter 4, Paul refers to this conflict as the competition between the old self and the new self. With God's Spirit and the believer, the old self is being replaced by the new. We're putting on a new self. That's what God's doing for us by His Spirit. And it means too that our identity is not our old self anymore. Our identity is our new self in the Lord Jesus. So sin, the sin is no longer our master. Jesus rules. But although you know, the, the pull to go on obeying sin is real and powerful. We're, though, we're to remain in the struggle, not to give up in the struggle. That pull is there, but to remain in the struggle. A great um, uh, preacher of the 19th century, um, Martin Lloyd-Jones, uh, illustrates this struggle. He's a Welsh guy, so picture a Welsh accent if that helps. Um, he, um, he illustrates this and he, he, he talks about in 1865 in the US, um, all slaves were declared free uh, following the work of Abraham Lincoln and so on. Lloyd-Jones says, he says, well, and we're going to try it here, okay? Imagine for a moment, imagine that you had grown up a slave in Alabama. Now, Alabama's the south where slavery was really, um, I, I guess, at its worst. One minute you're a slave... And legislation goes through, next minute, you're free. Imagine that for a minute. You're free, you're legally, officially and forever free, just like that. And legislation goes through, that's it. And while you have your freedom, it's true, your internal grasp of that freedom may take some time to catch up to the reality, wouldn't you think? So imagine one day that you ran... Uh, into your former slave owner on the streets of the, let's just say, the more free New York. There it is, about the 1860s odd. And your former slave owner calls out to you, come here, boy. At that moment, would you feel like a slave? I think you probably would. You probably would. Your whole life, you've responded to him as your master. You're conditioned to obey his voice. Every muscle and fibre in your body is inclined to obey. Come here, boy. Yep. Yep. Here I come. 
But the reality is you're free. The law's changed. You're free. You're not a slave. Your, your former master has no authority on you at all. He cannot tell you what to do. And, and you have no obligation to obey him. The Christian struggle with sin is just like that. Just like that. From time to time, sin calls out, come here, boy. And our impulse is to obey this desire, as chapter 5, verse 17 speaks of. Because for so long, sin has had the upper hand and ruled our lives and our bodies were conditioned to obey its commands. But in Christ, well, we're no longer slaves to sin. We're free. As Paul writes elsewhere in Galatians, Galatians 5 and 3 and so on, we do not need to obey sin's call. Sin is not our master anymore. Indeed, we're to be led by the Spirit. We desire what the Spirit desires. Look, look closely with me at verse 17 again. Okay? I'm going to read it out again. For the sinful, desire, sinful nature desires what is contrary to the Spirit. And the Spirit, now you could put in the word desires there again, it's there in the original. And the Spirit desires what is contrary to the sinful nature. What does God's Spirit desire? What does God's Spirit desire then? You know, Jesus said in John 16, 14, so he's, this is the night before he was crucified, he was there with his disciples around him, and he promised the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is coming. I'm going, the Holy Spirit is coming. And then he said that the Spirit would come to glorify him. That's why the Spirit came, has come, to glorify him. The Spirit's desire is to glorify Jesus. How? In the lives of believers. In fact, this is what believers want. Look at the end of verse 17. This is what we ought to want. To live by the Spirit, be led by the Spirit, is to glorify Christ. That means to have Him rule. That's what it means to glorify, to put Him up, to have Him rule. He's number one. We seek His kingdom first. Uh, he's ruling. That's not easy though, is it? That's not easy. So, what's the answer in this struggle we've been talking about? What is it? We're going to come back to it. See, next, what Paul does, he describes a bit more about these two natures. In fact, we find a comparison of characteristics of these two natures. One's living the good life, we'll call it that, and the other is not. In 19, verses 19 and 21 is a list, and you can see them there in your Bibles, is a list of the acts, we could call them fruit, of the sinful nature. The sinful nature is the driving force and the origin of these characteristics. And they're pretty ugly, aren't they? That list there, if you see them in your Bibles. We could, I guess we could call them descriptors of giving up in the struggle. I don't know. They're not pretty, are they? And you've got to ask the question, who'd, who'd want to live like that? Uh, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions, envy. Uh, doesn't sound much good, does it? You see, the, the, the sinful nature is good at what it does. And in verses 19 and 21... It tells us, the Bible tells us here that you can pick it a mile away. 
You can, you can pick out the sinful nature. Now, if you know anything of... I might get myself in lots of trouble here. We'll see what happens. Uh, if you know anything of Picasso's paintings... Now, I don't know much at all, but I think I can pick one. All right? No, Michelle's shaking it. That's not a Picasso painting. This is... What, who's this then? Yeah, it's Rezman. Now, why is he... He's famous for lots of reasons, but he's... The Mambo guy, all right? The Mambo board shorts and so on. Now, I want to use his, his illustration as well. There's another one. Um, someone, uh, oh, that's the other one. Who's the guy who splashes paint everywhere? What was his name again? No, not him. He's more famous. Who? Pro Hart. We talked about him at AM. Now, all these, all these, if you think of a Picasso, and if I'm thinking of a Picasso, I'm not an artist whatsoever. Ask Michelle later on. You know, she'll, she'll vouch for this. But if I think of a Picasso, I'm thinking of bright colours, what seems to be very quite modern, although it's quite old now, but quite modern, and uh, straight black lines. No? No, Michelle's not with me. Okay. Other people thought that was okay at 8am. Where's my support when I need it? Anyway, but you, I think you can, if you're into art, I reckon most of the time you can pick a Picasso. I could anyway. Um, but if you look at a Reg Mombasa, he has such a distinctive style, you can pick it a mile away. Some of them are not family-friendly, just, so I just might I, might I say. Um, uh, if you look at a pro heart, he's the guy who splatters paint everywhere around the carpet and, you know, that's the old ad. Remember that ad? Oh, Mr. Hart, what a mess. Um, you see, it, it's distinctive and recognisable. That's the point I'm trying to make. I don't want to talk about art all morning. Um, it's obvious. It's obvious who it is. What Galatians 5 says is, so are the acts of the sinful nature. They are, they are distinct and recognisable. You can pick them a mile away. They are the outcomes of living by the sinful nature. This is what it looks like. This is what it is. That's, and it's no good at all. There's no joy, there's no, nothing good in that. But in contrast, look at verses 22 to 23. We have the fruits of the Spirit. They are distinct and recognisable, just like the acts of the sinful nature. This is what it looks like when we are led by the Spirit. You'll see it, and you can pick it a mile away. This is what it looks like. This is what it looks like when we don't give in to the struggle. And, the acts, and like the acts of the sinful nature being produced by the Spirit, the fruit of the Spirit is produced by the Spirit. Now, I want you to imagine your veggie patch for a moment. Okay, can you do that? Everyone got their veggie patch in mind? Everyone's got a veggie patch. It's Robertson. We've all got veggie patches. Um, <laughs> so imagine your veggie patch. If you don't have one, imagine your neighbours. Um, what have they got growing? What have you got growing? So at the moment, we've got a, um, we've got a pumpkin that's growing out of nowhere. We didn't plant it. Did any of you guys plant it? Did you plant the pumpkin? No. Someone planted a pumpkin in our veggie patch, and it's just going nuts. And it's taking over everything and so on. But we've got... Cucumbers, we've got corn going. We, we've, as we had truckloads of berries, um, and they're great fun. Um, we had, we've still got lots of stuff going, beans and so forth. Fruit, you see, grows out of something. My, a tree or a vine, my pumpkin out of the vine. The growth of the fruit is entirely powered by its host. Isn't that right? Take a budding apple off the branch of an apple tree and it will not grow any, any further. The tree is essential, the essential source of the nutrients for the apple. So too, the fruit of the Spirit is entirely dependent upon its source, the Holy Spirit. So just as the acts 
in 19, verse 9 and 21 come from the sinful nature. The fruit, in verses 22 to 23, are grown by the Spirit. Now, that, this is important for us to see. It's important for us to understand that is that the fruit of the Spirit, wait for it, is the fruit of the Spirit. <laughs> it's the fruit of the Spirit. It's the Spirit's fruit. He's the agent, the source and the power that grows the fruit. So when we understand that and see that, when we see the list in verses 22 to 23, we see that it's not a to-do list then. And it's not a bunch of imperatives or commands. It's actually a bunch of indicatives, characteristics or observations of the way things are. These are the fruit of the Spirit. Paul never says, live like this, live like that, before he lists the fruit of the Spirit. Fruit grows from the Spirit in us. It's not the result of our hard work or discipline, and it's not a list to check off when we feel we've got it down. It's not even a list to put on the fridge and remind ourselves of the things we need to work on. What we read in verses 22 to 23 are things that flow from the Spirit working in our lives. He produces them. So when they are present in the follower of Jesus, it is evidence that the Spirit is in them as the Spirit seeks to glorify Jesus through the lives of believers. So I guess we could say that these characteristics in verses 22 to 23 are being words. Being they're not really doing words. But of course, being leads to doing. Isn't that right? Being leads to doing. Put that in the fridge. Um, the Spirit isn't interested in changing certain behaviours, adding some and removing others like a list, as much as I love to check things off a list, if you know me. He's interested in changing who we are as people. Changed people do changed things. Internal change has to come first. So, we are on point four on the outline, if you are using that bit of paper. Uh, well then, here's the question. How do we grow the fruit? That's a good question, isn't it? How do we grow the fruit? Well, the answer is the Spirit does. The Spirit grows the fruit. Well then, what do we do? What do we do then? What's my role? What, how, and then how can the fruit of the Spirit take root in our hearts and be produced in our lives? How do we go about getting the upper hand in this struggle? What should I write on the fridge? Verse 24 to 25, give the answer. Look at those words. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the sinful nature with its passions and desires. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. See, first, a believer needs to remember that we belong to Christ Jesus. We are His. All that is His is ours. A believer is in Christ in that way. All that is His is ours. That is, that is the greatest of all assurances. God's approval or welcome does not rest on our character or our actions, but on His Son. So we're free to acknowledge where we have given up ground to the sinful nature. We're free to do that because we're in Christ. We're assured. We're free to confess when we have not been led by the Spirit. We are free to admit 
that we thought we could earn our salvation by making these fruits all about gifts and character. We're free to accept his forgiveness and love. That's what it means to belong to Christ Jesus. Second, because we belong to Christ Jesus, we have crucified the sinful nature with its passions and desires. So that means we're putting them to death, so to speak. And to do this, well, of course, we've got to recognise in our own lives these passions and desires, don't we? We must ask ourselves not only what we do wrong, but why? Why do, we do, why do I do that again? Why do I say that stupid thing? Why do I act like that? Crucifying this sinful nature is not a case of just say no. <laughs> it's not that. No, no, no. Our, our motivations, you see, are part of They tell us so much about our hearts. And so perhaps we gossip and slander I know, because it makes us feel more important, in control. But Jesus is in control. We don't need to. He's the one we need to trust. It'd be like him. Perhaps we're selfish because we forget that in Jesus we have everything we need. We don't need to be greedy. We've got everything we need in Jesus. And you can keep going. It's our hearts that need attention. And this is not passive, is it? As if we let go and let God. That's a silly thing to say. It's an ongoing crucifixion as we put to death the old self. And third, as we do that, third way the fruit of the Spirit takes root in our hearts and is produced in our lives is in verse 25, by keeping in step with the Spirit. This is a positive, active process. I was just sharing before, I've got on my chair now as well, um, I used to play a big bass drum for a cadet band at school and I used to have the whole get-up, the works, huge big bass drum like this, bang, bang, bang. So I, would, I, I had to wear lots of stuff as well. I had to wear a leopard skin. Um, and uh, <laughs> it, it was good. It was hot and it was heavy. And I, I think I got chosen because I, I was strong enough to do it and all that sort of stuff. I used to play the trumpet. Anyway, um, so bang, bang. And everyone, and, and we, we marched in the... Um, we did these ceremonials, so all the cadets in the Oval, most of them fainted, of course, but um, I had to keep upright because I had the bass drum. And we all marched in time with my beat. We all kept in step with my beat. There it was. And we went to the Anzac Day marches in the city. Uh, through we went, and I was beating the drum. Bang, bang. And everyone, probably most marches uh, around most uh, units, I guess you'd call them, were all marching to my bass drum. They were all keeping in step with me. And it was pretty cool, actually. Um, that's what we're told to do here, aren't we? Of course. We're told to keep in step with the Spirit, in sync with the Spirit, living our lives in a way that is consistent with the Spirit of God. We learn what the Spirit wants, to be, to, wants us to be like through God's Word. And we, we seek to be like that. We are in sync with Him. Jesus says it defines it pretty clearly and, and carefully. He says, uh, we put his words into practice. That's what it means to be led by the Spirit. That's what it means to be keeping step with the Spirit. We, keep, we put Jesus' words into practice. Like fruit growing, growth in the Christian life is gradual. It doesn't, it doesn't really happen overnight. It might. It doesn't usually. It happens over time when we replace our sinful desires with Jesus. We'll look back and say, gee, you know, a year ago, I would not have responded to that situation with patience and kindness. There's the Spirit working. We align ourselves with God's Spirit. 
He will produce fruit in us. Now, if we don't do that, well, of course, we'll remain immature believers, struggling to grow, looking more, let's use the old word again, looking more fleshly than spiritual. Of course, God could zap us like a microwave. Yeah, a microwave cooks things, that's quick, bang. Making us mature all of a sudden. He could do that. But he doesn't choose that way. Instead, God chooses to work in our lives like a slow-cooked oven. Bear with me on this one again. It's a bit graphic, I'm sorry about that. Um, You see, as the Spirit slowly cooks us, It's our job to stay in the oven. That's our job. We can't cook ourselves. No. We can only allow God to do the cooking. Now, what about love? Isn't this sermon meant to be about love? I hear you ask. Didn't Rod introduce the the fruits of spirit, the first one's love? He did. He was right to do that too. Love. Well, let's close by thinking about love in the context of what we've just heard. It's not too difficult, really, to think about it. To do it, well, that's a different matter. See, if we belong to Christ, if we are crucifying the sinful nature and keeping in step with the Spirit, well, then we'll love. We can't help not to love. It's who we are. The Spirit of God is in us. We'll love. Being leads to doing. 1 John 4, 10 and 12. This is love. Not that we love God, but that He loved us and sent His Son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. Dear friends, since God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. Being leads to doing. So love comes from God. True love loves like Jesus loved. So 1 Corinthians 13, we've read to us before, love is not envy. Love is not jealous of another person's good. Love doesn't boast. Love isn't focused on what people think of me. Love isn't proud. It isn't preoccupied with my own importance. Love isn't rude. It doesn't offend by improper words or actions. Love isn't self-seeking. Love turns my concerns away from myself and my welfare. I love that video. I hope you liked it too. It's a, Rod's right, it's, it's really how love is expressed in the, in the marriage relationship, in the marriage promises. But there it is, love turns my concerns away from myself and my own welfare. That's what love does. It's not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. So love is to lose interest in my rights. It's patient, it's kind. It's concerned for the other, other. it's truthful, it's faithful. Love perseveres irrespective of the circumstances. That's what love does. Why don't we pray? We'll ask God to help us in all this. And then we'll have some time for comments or questions. Father, we thank you as for those of us here who have put our trust in the Lord Jesus. We thank you, Lord, that we belong to Christ Jesus. We've crucified the sinful nature with his passions and desires. We pray that you would help us to continue to do that. We pray that we would live by the Spirit. We pray that we would keep in, in step with the Spirit. Father, help us with that. Help us to be growing uh, like fruit attached to the vine that is you, Lord Jesus. Uh, Father, we, um, we, we pray, thank you for the challenges of, of today. 
and um, we pray as Jesus prayed that as Jesus has taught taught that he that um, Lord we would put uh, Jesus your words into practice in his name we pray Amen